Welcome to At The Table. Hi everyone, welcome back to At The Table. Thank you for listening again to episode nine. Nine. It's um, great to have you with us. Thank you for journeying with us on the previous eight episodes. We hope you've been enjoying them so far. Please don't forget, if you do enjoy this episode, to give us a rating, particularly if you are listening on Apple. Um, scroll to the bottom, give us five stars, just share a comment. We'd love to know and hear from you about how you're enjoying this episode. And don't forget, also, you can comment and be part of the At The Table family on Instagram and Facebook. We'd love to just share with you and continue to hear more. Anyway, let's get started with today's episode. So I have with me, as usual, Lucy. Hiya. John. Hiya. And Joe. Hey. Wow, sounded like a children's entertainer then. <laughs> and no one knew what she, she was going to ask first. Everyone was like, oh, it's me. Oh, hiya. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot how to say hello. <laughs> hello. You threw me with the J- John. I thought it was going to be me. And then I just got way overexcited when it actually was my name. I, like, screamed. You should have just said some names that weren't actually here. That would be really you funny, know. wouldn't it? Brian. Malcolm. <laughs> <laughs> and Karen. Hi, Karen. <laughs> oh. Anywho. How was your Easter, guys? Yeah, it was okay. It was a bit weird being, like... Um, it's just totally different, isn't it? Because normally you see friends and family. None of that. Yeah. I was stuck here with Lucy. Wow. Yeah. You're welcome. Actually, actually, it was very nice because it was sunny and we went on some walks and had nice food. And yeah, it was good. Yeah, it was a nice day. We sort of made the most of the weekend, I think. So for future listeners, we're recording this in 2020. And so we're not able to be outside because of the COVID-19 quarantine so Easter wasn't put on hold. Easter still took place. Jesus still rose again, but we weren't allowed to be in gathered congregation celebrating. So it was more at home worship time celebration. So guys, did you do anything specific for your Easter? Yeah, well, like you, we fasted on Friday and Saturday, which was a new thing for us. And it was difficult. It was, yeah, it was quite hard. But it did sort of mark out the weekend as a bit different. Mm. It wasn't just an you know another day. We were actually we had Easter on our minds the whole time, and then it made Sunday that like even more special because yeah. where as Joe said we'd normally be you know out at church and then go for lunch with friends and family. Um, this time it was just two of us, but then it made Sunday that more special because we had sort of suffered on Friday and Saturday. See what I mean? And then Sunday was like a more joyous occasion and we have never looked forward to breakfast so much. <laughs> and it was nice. And then, yeah, on Sunday we we had our breakfast and went for a walk and we had our Sunday lunch and then we watched Jesus Christ Superstar, the one that Andrew Lloyd Webber's put out, which was really cool. Hey, we watched that. Yeah. Yeah. Did you enjoy it? Saturday night. Saturday night. Yeah, we did. I have seen Jesus Christ Superstar. I saw, Never seen it before. I saw Same. it a lot younger, but it was very different to what was shown. 
Right. Yeah, because I didn't realise it had been around since 1970. I knew it wasn't... Well old. I knew it wasn't new, but I didn't realise it was quite that old. Yeah, same. No offence to anyone who remembers 1970 really well. <laughs> You're not really old. <laughs> <laughs> it was good, and I enjoyed it because it, you know, it's the story of Jesus in a modern setting, and it just sort of focuses your mind again on the story. And I know we've already read the story, but it just helps to visualise it again. I thought it was really interesting, um, having read and talked about Judas, as we've done on the podcast. Yes. Exactly. In, the musical is very focused on him and Jesus. Yeah. Mm. He's like as big a character as Jesus, basically, and they bow together at the end. And yeah. how incredible was Tim Minchin as Jesus? Like the singing <gasps> was good. Yeah. Love Tim Minchin. My main qualm was that it ended Great word. with the crucifixion. Yeah. And I was like, it looks like it's about to end. They look like they're about to bow. Don't bow. No, don't don't bow. Get back on there and finish the story. And then that was the end. They crucified him, and it was the end. And I was like, "What happened to Sunday?" That's exactly what I said. I was like, "They're missing the most vital point." <laughs> Why would you end the story there? That's like ending Harry Potter when he arrives at Hogwarts. Like you've got the whole rest of the story to go. <laughs> like what? <laughs> I was so like I was a little bit annoyed actually because I was like I really enjoyed this and I wanted it to be like our new Easter tradition but how can it be an Easter tradition when it focuses on Friday yeah. uh, did they even realize that actually he doesn't die <laughs> that's not the story the story isn't that he died <laughs> I think I just I don't know if this is correct and I don't want to be sued by any of Andrew Lobeba's people or all of that <laughs> not that him. they listen I'll but, text Andy um, yes he does Andy LW <laughs> um but I'm pretty sure I'd heard because my school, the school, my secondary school that I went to, they did the production of it when I was in the drama club, and I remember saying to them about them they're not they're not being a resurrection because I read the script and I was like, oh, I'm, I haven't got the whole thing. <laughs> they were like, what do you mean? I was like, oh, I'm missing the end, and then they took it and they were like, no, this is everything. I was like, but what about the resurrection? That's such a good thought, Beth. I'm missing half the script. Yeah, yeah I was like, is it a second interval? Nope, they're bowing. That's the end. <laughs> and a, somebody said to me, I think it was the teacher at the time, said that Andrew Lloyd Webber said this was never about, they didn't want to cause that religious debate. It was more about the rising of an individual who made, who was very polarising, who caused lots of controversy, who... It was more about the, the Jesus as a, the figure of a person in society rather than necessarily the religious aspect. He said, obviously, mm-hmm. he was a religious figure, but he said adding the resurrection would have caused a lot of people to debate this. If you think about the 70s when this was released, this was when, like, church secular divide was becoming a lot more apparent, you know, things yeah. weren't... So for them to have done that, I wonder if it would have kind of se- segregated a lot of people. They wouldn't have seen it because it was like, oh, it's just Andrew Lloyd Webber giving, forcing religious views on us. Whereas you, I think you can be an atheist and still watch this and still think, oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I guess suppose it's-, it's what removes it from being a Christian musical into a musical for everyone, perhaps. Mm. Yeah. I think they did achieve that. It was very powerful as a piece about like society and politics and all that. Mm. Um and I was wondering while I was watching it how it would feel for an atheist to watch it. Mm. So obviously we watch it and we go, yeah, that's a true story. 
this happened, but would an atheist watch it and like not believe it or not get on with it or just would they just not watch it? Well, like I said to you when we were watching it, I mean, Tim mentioned who was playing Judas as a very strong atheist and... Yeah, yeah, so I thought it was interesting. Um, He's playing a part, obviously, Judas as um, someone we see as being quite anti-Jesus, but it's, um, it's also a musical where Jesus is definitely portrayed as someone of immense importance so i thought that was interesting in itself mm. and he plays it with a lot of emotion as well which I yeah that we were talking about was that oh i thought he was atheist and it was almost like he had a heartfelt thing for this as well but I, mean, yeah, I, I had to go back and double check he was atheist because i was like have i got that wrong or i just thought his voice was just incredible yeah. and was really well done i'm really i said to John, when we watched, I'd be intrigued to see, think what Joe and Lucy think of it because obviously, of your like politics, sociology, because mm. we were knowledge and background, it, what do you did you like how they placed it in a very kind of political society? And it was more like I would say a political sh- musical than a religious one. Mm. Yeah, well, I think we forget sometimes how sort of uh, radical some of the things that Jesus said, yeah, are, and I think. It was really quite prominent in the in the particular adaptation of the musical mm. and the staging and the fact that everyone had these signs that said um, people not profit and everything like that. It was just so clear to me that the political themes and the personal themes between the different characters were so pronounced. I think that was really interesting. I think it was done very well. Yeah, and the Pontius Pilate actor... Oh as well he I feel like he that was very similar to what we discussed as well about how he he felt a lot of the weight and didn't really want it on him yeah that was the other thing I struggled with in the play is that there's no mention of Barabbas yeah the whole putting Jesus to death was basically just the crowd shouting about crucifying him and Pontius finding that difficult but there's no mention of this Passover celebration where they are allowed to release a prisoner so but that's a massive part of the story because there was this like exit clause he could have got off this because it was Passover and they had the right to free a prisoner so they could have done that but they chose this serial killer instead and that just wasn't mentioned but then I guess as you're saying it's not supposed to be like a religious telling of the story it's more socio-political but I just thought that was an interesting part to skip. Do you yeah. think as well, perhaps in a modern day world, that seems so far off? Like we don't, people, there's not a one person's going to be, you know, had given the death penalty and the other person will get off. Like that never, ever happens now in society. Whereas then that was a common, yeah. part. John just turned the lights on. <laughs> Brightness. <laughs> Even though it was a, was a religious law, it was very much ingrained in their, politics in their society so mm. whereas now I think if they did I did think to myself if they had done that would we have been would we have been a bit like well that doesn't happen now that doesn't really fit in with the like modernity side of the play that, yeah that's yeah good. that's true and uh, I feel like they put a lot of quite strong characters in there maybe it was just felt focus on these particular characters rather than others I, I like that they made Mary Magdalene quite prominent mm. um, as a woman, someone who's often 
downplayed in the narrative. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we yeah. thought it was really ironic that the actor had a cross tattoo on her arm. Yeah, Mel C. Because <laughs> we, were, we were like, is that a real tattoo or have they put that on? Because if they've put that on, then that's like a that paradox no <laughs> that she's got a cross before the cross has become a symbol of Jesus or Christianity. Prophetic. Uh... Yeah. Yeah, and then we were like, oh no, it's just a Spice Girl tattoo. Okay. Yeah, it's her own tattoo. But then we thought, that's <laughs> interesting as well, that she's got this massive like Christian cross on her arm. Mm. and they didn't they didn't cover it up they just left it and I thought it was quite cool yeah the only my my biggest qualm I do love that word it's a great qualm, word um is I don't know if it's a qualm but it's one of the things that's hugely debated and we discussed it at uni and it was it is a big debate still is the Mary Magdalene Jesus relationship and yeah in the, the play portrays her it very almost romantically yeah and and almost in a way, there was times when he leads her on, like he kisses her hand and he does show her a lot of affection. I remember when I was at school and they did that, I was really like, uh, this isn't in the Bible. You can't do this. Like, mm. hey, we're not copying the Bible. We're not doing a play of the Isis or in the Bible. This is a play written by Andrew Lloyd Webber. I'm like, I'm like okay, sorry. <laughs> but yeah, I said to you, that's the, my biggest thing I don't like about that is, which maybe she did, you know, we the thing is, we're never going to know. Maybe she did love him because he treated her like no other man had treated her. If you'd yeah. only ever been abused and used by men, maybe you would only, you would feel... That's another episode. And did they confuse... <laughs> did she confuse sacred, like, love that, like, we say we love Jesus. Did she confuse that feeling for romantic love? Yeah. Yeah. But, but I like how they didn't focus on the, the characters that we usually focus on at Easter. So, like, it's not Peter... It's not John, it's, like you say, it's Judas. Yeah, uh, Peter was a very small part, wasn't he? I uh, said that at the end, I said I was surprised yeah. that he was so small. Yeah. And all the other disciples, like, I kept waiting for him to go down the line and say their names or for the, for, for all the other actors to go away and it just be the 12, but it was never that. Like in Hairspray. Yes. Yeah. I've forgotten that name now. But... I'm Amber. Yeah, that'd be fun. Tammy. Why didn't he do that? Superstar. <laughs> Can you imagine if they did that and they were like, I'm Judas. <laughs> it's, like, it's like that really awkward figure. James, Simon, Simon Paul. <laughs> and I'm Mary. <laughs> Mary, Mother Lazarus, did it? Barabbas. Right. I think we've gone off topic a little bit. So that was our review on Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ Superstar. Superstar. On the subject of Jesus. Yes. Let's no. carry on the story, shall we? That was so smooth. Oh, oh after So. All right, let's stop. You go over. <laughs> so we're going to continue with the story. We've had, obviously, Jesus' resurrection, and we wanted to continue because the story does not just end there. And we're going to continue reading the Gospel of Luke. So if you do follow along with your Bibles, either physically or on your phones, or you just want to make note of this to have a look back later, Joe is going to be reading for us from Luke 24, starting at verse 13, going to verse 35. It's a it is a big one, so uh, yes. I hope you're all ready. So I'm going to be reading from the New International Version, and this part is called On the Road to Emmaus. 
So verse 13. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. By the way, the two of them refers to two of the disciples. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognising him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things? he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. He said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he was going further. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it's nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, at the table, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognised him and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, it is true. The Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognised by them when he broke the bread. Aboom. Joe, well done. What do you mean, well done? Excellent. <laughs> Did you not think I could read? No, I just thought you read that really well. Oh. Um, that's because the people listening don't know that I had about six takes of that and you've made me sound really good when you've edited it. So thank you very much. And there's a six minute cut in the middle. I just think that clear pass sounds like a drug. Does it constipation? Clear the pathway. <laughs> clear pass. Clear pass there. Clear pass. Clear pass. <laughs> <laughs> On the toilet. <laughs> so, so, sorry, Beth. was believed to be, it's not... 100% like confirmed there are no like genealogy recordings but there are some ancients that believe that Cleopas was Joseph as in Mary's husband Jesus' earthly father brother so and, like Jesus' uncle yeah his uncle but and, the problem is I think sometimes when you go into a passage in the bible and you almost have to like work your way back to work out who they're talking about or where they are or something like that. And I think 
especially when you're in a church and they're like, right, here's the reading and you just get that reading and you don't... There's no context, yeah. Yeah. And as well, my the problem is often is that what the, the author writing this knew who they were. J.K. Rowling. Yeah. But, and, but obviously we don't. It's like if we were to tell a story, we might just say blah de blah and but it's when we do the podcast now you know there's sometimes editing for John because we might say something that's quite common for us but we know that there, there may be listeners that don't so we have to explain it more that, that could be the case with this you know two of them and maybe it's just like Luke you know his aren't, the names aren't relevant mm. yeah well even at the end Joe's translation talked about Simon but mine says Peter <laughs> Yeah, so unless you know, yeah, yeah, but that's like you you don't know. Yeah, you'd have to know that that's the same person. Yeah, yeah. So a lot of people do believe the other person was Peter. It could be that Luke was a bit jealous that he wasn't appeared to first, and they don't really want to say the names to to place two of them above the other. And John, who Jesus loved, would have been so upset that he (laughs) picked for this. (laughs) Probably. So what stood out to you as we were reading that together? Or specifically when I was reading that to you and you had to listen to my horrible voice? Um, I think something that stood out straight away for me was just how random it probably would have been for this bloke to just sort of walk past and be like, all right, lads. (laughs) I don't know, obviously, how social people were back then, but if it was anything like today... We're not during. Well, yeah, today we'd be like, can you stay two metres away, please? <laughs> or even, like, you know, your commuter, Joe, you know this. Like, people don't talk. No. <laughs> if someone spoke to you at, like, 7 o'clock in the morning, you'd be like, all right. Well, we- what I, I find really funny is I'll be waiting on the platform at, at the train station and there'll be a couple of people, you know, a few metres away. And they'll, like, it'll be really obvious that they know each other but only because they see each other every morning so they'll have a little chat and they'll you know I'll overhear stuff and it'll be like oh um what are you doing this evening and they'll be like oh I've got a barbecue or something like this you know it's my husband's birthday whatever Mm. chat 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 for about 10 minutes then the train will come in and they'll both get on the same train but they'll like say goodbye and walk off down other ends of the train (laughs) but it's like I find it really funny and British because like I'm all right to talk to you for 10 minutes while we wait for the train, but not for an hour and a half on the way into London. That's too much. And we both know and understand that. We both know we need our space. Yeah. And I sit at the front of this train. You always sit in the middle, and I don't like sitting in the middle. So yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to sit with you. It's easy just to not make friends, isn't it? <laughs> it seems like it, doesn't it? Really? Avoid the social awkwardness. <clears throat> yeah. I just That was one thing that just stood out. I just was like... How random must it have been? You're on this really long, dusty road and you just see this random bloke on his own and he's like... But I try and understand this thing of they didn't recognise him. Or it says they were kept from recognising him. Yeah, but it's like the conversation just cracked me up. Like He asked, uh, what is this conversation that you're holding with each other as you walk? (laughs) (laughs) Imagine some stranger coming up to you as you're talking to your wife and just going... Sorry, what are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, no, so what we're, what we're talking about then? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I just, it's just really random. 
Yeah, just the thing that you, you're just, yeah, you're hiding yourself in quote marks from them, yet you still go over to kind of talk to them. I guess it's testing them to kind of go, well, actually, yeah, we've got to be kind to everyone and, um, you know, share what we're, we're doing. Well, this kind of links with what I was going to say. So the road to Emmaus is about seven, um, so that's two hours walk from Jerusalem. So that's the road. And it's believed that they were most likely going home to Galilee because they would have used that road to Emmaus to go to Galilee. So if they were going to Galilee, it could have meant that they were going home. Mm. So imagine you give up your life, your job, your everything for this man. You travel around with him. You watch him perform these miracles. To be, you know, you believe he's the son of God. He then is arrested, tried, crucified, is now dead in a tomb. A man from which you've given your whole life up for. And they're now just on their way home, walking. I wondered if Jesus appearing to them was a bit like him being, as you said, seeing what their conversation was about. Had they given up hope? Was mm. Jesus there saying, you know, do you, do these men have any hope that I'm still alive? Or they're just going back to their lives so readily, you know, to begin that. What's going on? I, that's why I wonder. That's why, like, the context of that I think is really important. Because if they were journeying home, was this them just giving up everything yeah. they'd done for Jesus? Yeah. Not, not in a sense. That sounds really dramatic. But they were, you know, grief had taken them and they were... They didn't see that there was going to be a resolution or a resurrection. Yeah. But hadn't they heard about their news? But they didn't obviously didn't believe. Had these two heard? Yeah. So what? What they? So their reply to Jesus in that part was was like, "Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened these um, happened there in these days?" And then he was like. What things? And they said to him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. So they kind of said to him, like, oh, yeah, he was supposed to have been this guy. But they also say the women went to the tomb this morning and didn't find his body. And then the angels said that he was alive. So they know, like, there's this yeah. rumour at least. So they're essentially, this narrative is saying that they didn't believe it. Yeah, they didn't believe. The, again, it comes back to what we were talking about and you know, in our last episode with, you know, that they probably did... they probably didn't believe what the women had to say you know we were saying about how you know back then did they think that they these women what, what was it the the verse that was said it was something like um carrying on or something wasn't it like oh just having that having their moment kind of thing yeah but they're also essentially i sound this very i say this very flippantly and i don't mean it mean it to be like this but they were also essentially running away because it would have been quite dangerous for them to be in Jerusalem. Mm. So they were also, if they were going home and were leaving, 
they were going to a place safer where they weren't going to be as well known for being followers of Jesus and being associated. And so it would have been very interesting with their conversations have been about that. Would they have been talking about everything that happened? And yeah. is that why Jesus stopped them? Is that why he appeared to them? Mm. Yeah. yeah. And it's funny how he appears to them first before the rest of the disciples. Because they're leaving. He doesn't want them to leave. Yeah, that's what I mean. So it's almost like Jesus is like... They derailed his plan. He was going to appear to them all together, but they yeah. they'd gone. So it's he almost had, like he... he had to go and stop them from leaving. And to me, like, I'm automatically thinking of... There's a parable in the Bible about um, the lost sheep and uh, how never leaves one behind. So there's 99 sheep, but they've lost one, yet the shepherd goes and finds the one. It's almost like Jesus is showing that. And kind of going, oh, these two have fallen off the bandwagon kind of thing. Um, yeah, I'm not going to let them fall off. I'm going to journey with them still and meet them on that journey and try and guide them back. So, yeah. not to be all holy Johnny boy. But. Yeah. And to me, the craziest thing about this story is that they didn't recognise him. Like, can you imagine one of us, like, seeing the other and chatting with them and just not realising it's your friend. Mm. Well, it makes me think, what did he look like at this point? Yeah. Because he... it says they were kept from recognising him, which sounds like, you know, someone's intervening, like God or Jesus himself is intervening in what they're perceiving of what they see. So yeah. he looks the same, but they don't quite, their brain doesn't quite step in and make sense that they recognise him. Often that's supported by a bit that's in the next part of the reading where he refers to his physical form, suggesting that he does look the same and he's still the same person that died physically. Yeah. Um, but it's just, it's just a really odd thing. And I, I think the fact that when he appears after he's died and he's not immediately recognised by people or he seems to be different, I always find a bit challenging because this is almost the the part of the story where you could say oh they're making that up because up until he dies you're like okay that was a real person who really lived and um told those stories and died it's the bit after he died that i find the logical rational bit in my brain struggles with sometimes because i'm thinking well all of that up to the crucifixion could have happened but the bit after is made up by the disciples and you know, they've put this thing about he wasn't easily recognised or that thing where you try and explain things after, oh, it must have been Jesus, this funny conversation we did actually have with that man. Yeah. You know, those kind of things. I think I struggle with that sometimes. But on the other hand, I think last time I was saying about it was easy, or Beth, you said it was easy for them to believe um, in Jesus because they were seeing it all firsthand. Mm. I think actually the moment where he dies is the point where you can't rely on the physical stuff and you then you start to have the faith. I think that's how I, it's almost like the two sides of it then. Yeah. Before he dies, it's easy to believe. After he dies, that's when you need to have faith. Just quickly, on, on that, I also wondered if you saying about what the disciples were saying about like the, uh, oh, yeah, so when you said about the disciples not knowing who he was, I wonder if 
they put that in there because they were embarrassed. They didn't realise who it was. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, that's, that's a good point, that. isn't it? Oh, oh, he was wearing a mask. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, oh, wait, it was Jesus. Like, But they just didn't recognise him because in their grief they didn't, didn't know. I did know that fact. I just forgot for a moment. <laughs> so one of the things that I reflected on during our fasting was something came to me really clearly when we were, I was reading this section, and I read all four Gospels accounts of the Easter story and post-Easter. And one of the things that came to me was, because I too have these questions, like you say, about why didn't they recognise him and, and the meaning behind that. And it came to me about actually those of us who seek him will find him. And actually, were did they not see him because they weren't looking for him? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And how often, like, we say God is so absent from our lives and da, 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 and God's not here. And it's like, well, were you actually seeking for God or were you just, ex it was almost like the expectation that he, you know, we expect to see things so visible, like very clearly flashing lights in front of us. It's like that footprint's in the sand, but actually that one footprint is Jesus carrying us through that. It's not us on our own. It's, he's there. And I think actually the reason that they, didn't immediately recognise Jesus because they weren't seeking him. They, there wasn't anything there that they sought to find Jesus in. You know, you know, almost, it's just like, if we, somebody had passed away and you were walking down a road, you just, in your head, wouldn't expect to see them. So why, if that face did come up, would you think, oh yeah, that's them? Yeah, it's like an out of context thing. Yeah. Like sometimes you do see someone and you recognise them, but you can't, work out where from yeah and you're like who's that person why do I know them because they're in a completely different setting you suddenly can't think of their name or who they are you know if they were like in quite if they were like oh, I want to see you know this risen lord I want to I want to experience it would they have seen him if they're probably expecting something much more grand and exciting if he was to reveal himself again not just come beside them on a road but I think isn't that so beautifully illustrative of Jesus's nature not to be this grand floating down from heaven with gold chariots and editor he just appears to them on the side of a road yeah definitely just not you know not immediately but doesn't that happen to us as well where you're in a situation and you don't realize that Jesus has been in that situation until afterwards and you're like oh my gosh obviously that was Jesus I can't believe I didn't realize that at the time do you know what I mean yes I think I think that is very just I think that's just Jesus isn't it like and I think it can teach us a lot about actually I'll walk with Jesus in that relationships are a two-way thing and I think people really forget that with mm. being a, a Christian and a Jesus follower they expect it all to just be Jesus giving you everything but actually it requires work on our part too you know it's not I always say just, I remember having a conversation with somebody and they were like, oh, it's such hard work and I felt like I shouldn't be doing any of this. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, you literally just said to me about how in a marriage it takes communication and work and you have to give some and they have to return. Although we shouldn't expect anything from Jesus and that's, and that's different from a marriage, we can't just expect everything to come from Jesus in a relationship because that's not how it works. You know, we are the ones of the, that are fault in this relationship 
so we are the ones like, between us and Jesus. We're the ones that's you know we should be the ones working for Jesus. We should be the ones that are doing things. We should be the ones seeking Him. We should be the ones trying to find Him and place Him in our lives and situations. And I think we don't do that enough. Mm. I think we just expect Jesus to be showering on us. Um, I always come back to that painting by William Holman Hunt, uh, the Light of the World painting. Yeah. I haven't just looked up on Wikipedia. Busted. I, check, I was checking his name. <laughs> I think he painted it in the 1800s or something. I think it was an allegorical painting by the English pre-Raphaelite artist. Basically, it's a painting of Jesus at the at a door, mm. um, and he's carrying a lantern. So it's kind of painted set in the evening. And he's carrying this lantern and he's at the door, but there's no door handle on the outside. It can only be open from the inside. And he's knocking on the door, but he has to wait for an answer. Mm. And the, the uh, door's supposed to represent like the human heart and the human mind. And we have to let Jesus into our hearts and minds. Mm. And he's always there willing and ready, but we have to put that effort in. Yeah. Um, and like you say, John, I think we always expect it to all kind of be handed to us on a plate or we sort of say, yes, Jesus, I believe in you. And then that's it forever done. He's always there, you know, making things happen for us without us having to put any work in. Yeah. And you're almost like, oh, yeah, feed me grapes. Like you lounge in there and sort of expect <laughs> to be fed and watered and stuff. But actually, you need you need to kind of put your own weight out there sometimes and yeah yeah there it's a hard lesson to learn because again i think it's our society and almost we always feel that we're owed something um and it's going back to a place where we're like actually i'm i don't deserve to be owed anything yeah in the relationship with jesus because actually you know we we read in chapters before this that he's gone to the cross he's gone through the most gruesome death for us and I think we're very quick and it's very easy to almost brush aside that, forget about that and go, why aren't you answering my prayers or why are you not doing this, you know, a dance monkey kind of thing. And actually he should be, you know, we should always be looking at what he's done for us and be just grateful of that and that actually he's graceful enough to still be walking alongside us when we don't deserve it. Uh, yeah and work at that relationship with us and we need to work with that relationship with him on a much more closer basis than we probably are yeah agreed so i was just thinking about a tweet that i saw a little while ago and i really enjoyed it and it just came back to my mind it's from the atheist forum and quite often when i see that things are from atheists i'm like you know what i'm not even gonna read it because it's just gonna annoy me or upset me, or, you know, I'm going to want to argue with someone. <laughs> so I normally just skip past them. But I read this one because it had been liked by the Salvation Army International page. So I thought, hmm, there's got to be something in this. And I read it, and it says, Christianity, belief that one God created a universe 13.79 billion years old, 93 billion light years in diameter, consisting of over 200 billion galaxies, each containing average of 200 billion stars, 
only to have a personal relationship with you. So what they were trying to do was like belittle Christianity and call it out for this massive fault that they think they found with it. But then actually it's done the exact opposite because that is what we believe and that is what God and Jesus can do for us in our small little lives. He's there walking beside us all on our own individual roads to Emmaus and we might not always recognise him or know that he's there or why he's there but he is there. Mm. And I think that just shows the the grace of of Jesus as well that actually he, he is the hand of God on this earth and like you say he's created everything and like you say the atheist society have said like oh yeah do you really think that this God that created all this wants a personal relationship with you well yes he does because he loved us so much that you know he wants to know each of us he knows each of us by name it says in the bible and he wants uh, the best for us. Do you want me to read the next bit of the reading? Sure. Yeah, might as well. Might right. as well. It's free. Okay, so the next bit of the reading is from verse 36 to 49. So this bit's called, Jesus appears to the disciples. While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. He said to them, Why are you troubled, and why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones, as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet. And while they still did not believe it because of joy and amazement, he asked them, Do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. He said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so that they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I am going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. There's a very big difference between your translation and mine. Okay. When they gave him the broiled fish, they also gave him some honeycomb. Never forget pudding. <laughs> That's the title of this episode. Never <laughs> forget pudding. It's crucial. But are you sure it was pudding? Maybe it was to go with the fish. Fish yeah. and honeycomb. Oh, no. Be like having a crunchy with your cod. And what is broiled? It just means boiled, doesn't it? That's what I wondered. Is it just a spelling mistake? Do they actually mean boiled or broiled? <laughs> no, it is a different thing, but I think it's very... Does it mean, like, boiled for ages or something? Broiled. It's a mixture of frying and boiling. That must have stunk as well. Like they've been carrying oh. for days. Yeah, Jesus, like, oh, you just got that out of your pocket, didn't you? Hang on. <laughs> no refrigerator. Yeah. Uh, no, it's not boiling at all. It's grilling. <laughs> oh. Oh. Well, 
That's why I will not be releasing a recipe book. <laughs> yeah. So I suppose the thing with fish is, right, you can boil it or you can broil it. You can grill or boil a fish. But if I got those things mixed up for, for example, a piece of bread, you wouldn't be so happy, would you? <laughs> I've broiled it. Oh, that yeah, means grill. Yeah, exactly. I'm that's fine. That. I'm but not the other way round. Oh. I've boiled your bread. Oh, I'm uh. Say that. Is, I'm gonna, do you want some broiled bread for breakfast? You're like, mm, yes, that's delicious. I love it broiled. And then you go down and it's actually just a big old soggy bit. Real breakfast? Question mark. <laughs> what about broiled eggs? How would you do that? <laughs> oh, grilled eggs. That's like just fried eggs, isn't it? But that R can make a crucial difference. Anyway. That's what Mara said. Oh, ack. Made the ack. Bring it back. Bring it back. Bring it back. But also, this is like actual honeycomb that bees have made. Not like our nice, crunchy honeycomb. It's like proper... Yeah, this is like proper... Out of a bee's bum sort of thing. Sticky. Well, you can tell that we're all obsessed with food. What I find really funny in all of this, right, is that this is the fifth appearance of Jesus... On this day, okay? Mm. He's busy. I was thinking that earlier. This is the fifth appearance, and the line says, they were startled and frightened. <laughs> Why are you surprised? Mary's, like, they've people have been saying this is going to happen. Like, it just makes me laugh. Like, it's Also, not- this bloke, like, brought someone back from the dead a few weeks ago. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> This guy doesn't do normal things. <laughs> uh, out it's there. like me being amazed that my locksmith has managed to get into my house. Yeah. Good, <laughs> goodness me, Peter, you startled me with your skills. <laughs> oh, it is, yeah. How did, wait a minute, you walked on water, you raised someone from the dead, you raised yourself from the dead. Oh, you're here. <laughs> you're here again? <laughs> yeah. That's not, that's impossible. <laughs> yeah. I love how elegantly I know it's probably translation, but I love how elegantly this is put. Where it's like, why are you troubled? And why do you doubts arise in your heart? See my hands and my feet. That it is I myself. <laughs> just so like poetic. I yeah. just have a really funny image of like the disciples all in this tiny little room, huddled away, because they're obviously trying to keep in secret they're not exposed out they're in this dusty small room sitting on the floor all talking about the crucifixion all talking about that mary sin has said that this all these things have happened and then so they're talking about jesus and then jesus appears it's like you know when you're talking about somebody and then they just pop up and you're like (laughs) yeah and you're like how long have they been there (laughs) (laughs) These, you know, disciples having a cash conversation about his death, and, yeah. and then Jesus is like, "It's like, have you seen God is Guardians of the Galaxy?" Uh, no. Yeah, I think I have, but ages. Okay. So there's a scene where one of the characters is just there's, there's this really serious conversation going on between these two people, and then it just sort of turns, and this other one's just sitting there eating like bag of nuts. <laughs> and they're like, "How long have you been there?" He's been an hour. Yeah. <laughs> they're like. Really? He's like, I've learned how to be so still that you don't even realise I'm here. <laughs> it would probably be very similar, wouldn't it? Like Jesus just standing in the corner like, 
I wonder how long it'll take them to realize that I'm standing right here. Yeah, but the thing is, they're like, how long have you been there? And he's like, since the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I am. Yeah. <laughs> we are so on, so on sync. <laughs> yeah. They've heard all these things. Why is it such a surprise? But I guess that speaks to a lot of human, mm. human faith in Jesus. So I was sitting there thinking just how stupid the disciples are and I know we hear it like I've been in church when the sermon's been about how silly the, the disciples are and how thick they can come across or like doubting Thomas and all this but I'm sitting here thinking how many times has something good happened in our life and we have completely just ignored the fact that God maybe had a hand on it like how many times like personally a couple of years ago, I had probably the worst year of my life in the sense of my mum came really poorly and was in King's Hospital London for a few weeks because they found a cyst on her brain, mumps. Um, and then literally a few weeks later, I had a car accident. Um, so you automatically think, God, why? So you automatically blame God for all of that. But then from that, so much good happened. And I, I'm going to be honest, I didn't always go, thank you, Jesus, for being there through that, because you don't. You just automatically, again, it comes back to the whole thing of you take stuff for granted and you feel like you're owed something, but you, I, you don't always sort of think of Jesus in those moments. And I think it's the same for the disciples in this. They would have seen all these things Jesus had done, yet they've taken it all for granted. Then he dies on a cross and they're like, now. Nah, why? Why have we done that? Oh, well, this is all fake then. He then shows up and it's almost like, oh, don't recognise you because it's like they don't appreciate, they're not thinking like that anymore. They're not thinking, oh, Jesus is in my life and all that. I don't know if that makes any sense. But yeah, yeah. I just think we're very quick sometimes as Christians and people that, you know, theologians maybe that probably look at, the disciples and think oh they're just being so thick and they're uneducated and all this well actually they're probably not acting any differently to how we all would be yeah i i probably wouldn't recognize jesus if he stood in the same room as me sometimes yeah you know? well as humans we're just so quick to judge aren't we as soon as somebody does something silly on social media we're like oh how come they have not how come they did that why do they not think of this sort of thing yeah, but, but like we've said before you've got no idea of the context all the things that are going around their head, what's happened outside of Jesus in their lives as well. Like, they've got other lives too, I'm sure, like families and yeah. you just don't know, like, what's going on for them. And we just presume on what little information they had that they're stupid and we would have done a much better job when actually we can't really say that, can we? Uh, yeah, so that's definitely something I was just thinking about. I was just sort of re As I was reading it, I was just sitting there thinking, how thick are all you? But then actually, we are all like that. Yeah. I do like the bit, though, where Jesus is cheeky and he's like, it's like a little kid. Got anything here to eat? <laughs> Mom, I'm hungry. <laughs> <laughs> Want a bag of Haribo? <laughs> yeah, but imagine if your mum then goes, yeah, some fish. <laughs> all the things. Yeah. Oh, got a tin of sardines. Fancy them, son. <laughs> I'm not hungry anymore, man. <laughs> it was like when we were discussing what we'd have as our last meal on yeah. the Thursday night. What would you have as your first meal if you rose from the dead and you could eat again? What would you get? You've been dead Easter for... Easter eggs. 
day and a half. Easter um, Oh, that is. So a, that was like our first meal on Sunday after fasting. Yeah, half cross buns. Yeah. Well, yeah. The roast. We had um, poached eggs on avocado on toast. So good. Oh, so bougie. Yeah, so bougie, guys. That's why you that is a lie. That is a lie. I actually had a bowl of cereal so that I had the energy to cook the aforementioned <laughs> eggs on avocado on toast. And then three hours later, we had a massive mountain of food, and it was like, I don't think I can eat it all. <laughs> yeah, that's too much. My little stomach is not used to this. I'll tell you what, though, I've never appreciated food so much after not eating for two days, so I can't imagine how Jesus would have felt, having gone all that time. <laughs> yeah. So broad fish probably never tastes so good. <laughs> um, <laughs> to be honest, we were saying like we'd eat anything by the end, don't we? We were like, I just really fancy licking a dry cracker. <laughs> like we'd have eaten anything. Count? Does it count? Just lick it. <laughs> I just really want a cracker. Like... <laughs> oh. Does it count if we blend a roast dinner and drink that? <laughs> Yeah, as long as it doesn't solidify. See, well, I struggled as well because we did. We only had water, so I was like, I missed my cup of tea. I missed squash. I, I think if I'd had that, I'd have been I fine. I think it's because you were like detox. What do they call it? Dehydrated. No, when you're kind of detox on sugar, detox yeah. on sugar and stuff. Yeah, but yeah, that is interesting. I've never really thought of that. It's actually this is like Jesus' first meal. <laughs> like I know he's he's basically God, so he probably doesn't need really. Say basically, God, he is God. <laughs> but yeah, so like... When he appears and he says, I'm hungry. That shows that he's still human. He still needs to eat. And they, and it's believed, isn't it, that he said those things to help them believe that it wasn't a spirit. Because hmm. I've always wondered this, because obviously I didn't realise he comes back as human. We read last episode that he like about the angels and stuff like that. So I just automatically thought he came back as this like ghost figure, basically. Ooh. Yeah, like Casper. Um, but, <laughs> but actually he comes back because he shows where the nails were. And he, then he, he says like, where is it? For a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have or whatever it is. Yeah, that I have. So it's like he came back as human. Which I never realised. So that's like a full resurrection. Yeah, and he makes a massive point of it, doesn't he? Yeah, like, look, I'm not just this ghost standing before you, all your information. Yeah. I am. Touch me. But I don't know about you, if you're like squeamish, but I have a little bit of triphobia. Is that what it's called? You know about the, lots of holes and. That's fancy. And it's like the fear of like lots of circles put together. So plants where there's like lots of circles put together. If you Google triphobia on your. I'm not going to do it because I can't look at it. I'm going to do it. Like, do you not like crumpets then? <laughs> I don't actually That's actually crumpets. a really good point. You love crumpets. <laughs> what about honeycomb? She's oh. been faking it. I don't like honeycomb. What? Well, like crunchies. You don't like circles together? You Google it, John. I love crunchies. <laughs> That's kind of gross. What that is that, is that does fun? look a bit weird, to be fair. No, John! I don't like it. Please, oh, that's fine. It. No, I'm going to let... So, I, listeners, okay, I'm going to just put this out here. I have a phobia for cotton wool, okay? I don't like cotton wool at all. The crunchy, oh, gets me on edge. And you laugh at me for that. So, for that, you can look at some holy things. <laughs> I don't know about you guys, but I do feel like if 
Jesus was there and asked me and said to me, put your finger through. Oh, yeah, absolutely not. That's disgusting. It's gross, isn't it? Like, I'm squeamish anyway, but that is just grim. I remember reading reading a sermon once and somebody was like, this is the most powerful thing I've ever heard. And this person, and I'm not mocking this, like this person said he was genuinely, it was a really powerful spiritual moment, this part where Thomas was able to feel these, these, the marks of the crucifixion. And but for me, I just find, I just, I think because I struggle like medically and like, with the body thing, I find it very uncomfortable. So therefore I would never be able to associate it spiritually. Yeah. Powerful thing. I think I'd be on the floor if he showed me holes through his hands. Yeah, same. I think it's the Bible series that he shows almost like him reaching out and you see the sunlight through it. That's the... <laughs> Yeah. That's the only time that I've been like, huh. <laughs> Question. Would you, John, Joe, Lucy? Lucy wouldn't. Joe, would you? I mean, I feel like I say yes on the spot here because actually that sort of thing, I find it more fascinating than gruesome, if I'm honest. And also I think I'd be, I'd be fine looking at it maybe, but maybe not touching it. So, hmm, yeah. hard to say without knowing. There's a bit in... Jesus Christ Superstar that we were talking about earlier, where Judas is basically singing to Jesus, like, why are you hanging out with Mary? She's this type of person. She's like this and she's like this. And he's, Jesus is basically like, how dare you? Are you clean from sin? Are you, are you pure? How can you judge this woman? Just because it's more visible, the type of woman she is, are her sins bigger than yours? Mm. Is, are you purer than her because we can't see your sins and I just thought yeah that is what we do isn't it we go oh I can see that this person's done this because they've got that tattoo or whatever mm. nobody can see my sins therefore I'm fine you know mm. I think that's really powerful look how well that tied into Jesus Christ Superstar look at that full circle. full circle what is your yeah. takeaway guys from this particular episode Curry. Oh, I was going Mexican. But. Okay, <laughs> cool, done, bye. <laughs> I think I've been really struck by what you've been saying about when we when we don't realise that it's Jesus working our, in our lives and appearing in our lives, because I think, like we've said, we're all guilty of that, of not almost not taking the time to thank Jesus, but not even recognising when he's been working in our lives and when when we've changed because of him and when circumstances have changed and our outlooks changed and we've not attributed it to him. We just, you know, we're good at saying the prayer and saying, please, Jesus, help me with this. And then we so often forget to look back and go, oh, he actually answered that or he was there in my life. And yeah, I think I've not really recognised that parallel, ironically. Um, between that story and that particular example of how Jesus works in our lives. Yeah. Lucy? Yeah, I can agree with that. John? I think um, the, the, it's just a simple thing in my translation that stands out to me, which is this old touch me and see, which is, it seems so simple, yet it carries with it so much power and so much promise and so much future for those that, we're doubting and so much yeah it kind of carries with it so much faith in itself but it's so simple because it's literally just like 
I'm right in front of you, touch me and see yourselves basically. And I just think in our own walks of life, I think we're not alone. Like Jesus is standing right beside us, like Bess already said, is, you know, there's a really well-known poem which she kind of hints at earlier about the footprints in the sand where there's two sets, uh, two sets of footsteps and in the end there's only one set of footsteps and it's because God, uh, Jesus is carrying you. And it is that moment, actually, Jesus is right beside you, just need to just touch and see. He's standing right beside you and it's that, it's that simple yet we make it sound so difficult. And I think just personally, I feel very challenged after tonight's episode to actually have more faith in Jesus in my own life that actually, in even the times I can't see him, he's still there um, in touching distance. So Yeah, I agree with both of those things. I think there's been there's quite a lot we can um, unpack from this. But I really particularly loved verse 45 in my translation that Joe read us and it says then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures mm. I love that line and I feel yeah. a bit what we this has done for us that and it but also in both sense you know so we're reading the scriptures and our, our minds have been opened but I feel we have these conversations it opens our minds and then we read more into the scriptures you know so you the first person first reads it we have a conversation and then I see another line again and I'm like oh, wow, my, I, my mind has been open to so many more things. Mm-hmm. And I feel that's just a really beautiful way, like, as we're getting towards the end of our first series, these 10 episodes, that this is the, our minds have really been open to this whole Easter story, how we've just learned so much. And I feel like we could do it next year and we would just learn so much more. Mm. We could do this every year and it would still be, our minds would still be open to so many more things that God is teaching us. And so... Yeah, that's my takeaway. That I'm grateful for that. It's also been really good to find out what broiled means. Exactly. Yep. Every day's a school day. Mm-hmm. It is. Disgusting. So thank you, everybody, for taking the time to listen to this. And um, we hope that you have had your mind opened too in some way and that you've been able to understand scriptures and things a little bit more in depth. As I said at the beginning, please um, keep in contact with us. Don't be shine our socials we'd love to hear from you and we hope you'll be back for our next episode where we finish our series with the ascension of jesus so just want to say goodbye from me bye and john goodbye and lucy bye and joe bye boom